Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to welcome you to this service, and we welcome those worshiping with us online. We're always glad to have you as well. Now, we're in a series that we began two weeks ago, and today we're going to be talking about friends. We're going to talk about providential relationships. And so I want you to think today as we get started about friends in your life who've made a difference. People in your life, you may have known them for a long, long time, and they've just been a great blessing to you. Maybe they're more recent. Maybe they're people that God has just brought the two of you together recently, and what a blessing they are, because we're going to be talking about that today. And I want you to think about your parents and how maybe growing up you weren't as appreciative, and now you look back and you're so grateful for them. I want you to think about people who gave you opportunities when nobody else would give you an opportunity. They stuck their neck out, and they gave you a chance to do something that no one else would do. And I want to, think, I want to ask you to think about people who gave you insight. They spoke into your heart and life. They said things to you that you really needed to hear. They gave you encouragement. They gave you perspective. They gave you hope. Sometimes they were willing to give you correction and even confrontation because they were willing to speak the truth in love. And today I want you to think about the people for whom you're grateful, people who have blessed you, who've been there for you, and you just, you think about them and you're so thankful. And I want you to write the names down of these folks as you go through this with me. And I want you to think about it this afternoon. And you know, and I'm going to talk to you about some of them at the end of the message today for me, but, but I want you to write them down and I'm, I want you to try to think about how can you communicate with them and let them know what they mean to you. I'm going to see one of those people uh, tomorrow, and, and it's going to be an opportunity for me to talk to him and thank him for all that he did for me. So anybody come to mind? Who are you thinking about? Just keep that on the forefront as we walk through this together, because we're talking about being faithful, fueling your faith in a world that's on empty. And Jesus gave us all an invitation, and his invitation was to follow him. He said, follow me. But also he had an agenda for us once we did that. And the agenda would be that we would become people with extraordinary faith, that God would use us to draw other people to himself. The kind of faith that's real, that, that you see in people at home, you see it at work, you see it in the community. Because faith that doesn't confront things and change things is dead. Because faith is active. It has to be alive and acting. You're doing something. You're living your faith. You're not just believing. Because Jesus said, follow me. Now, he wanted people to believe in him, I'm sure, and he said that. But then once we believe, he wanted us to do something with our belief. Last week we said, what if we could lose weight just by believing I'm going to lose weight. Wouldn't that be great? Huh? Okay, today, right now, okay, everybody go. Okay, we're going to lose weight right now. Go ahead. Right? And then you get on the scales and it's not working out so great, is it? Huh? Maybe you gained a little bit. And so it's not the thing that will make it happen because you have to do something for that to occur. And so Jesus said, follow me. But then the church came along and said, believe in me. Because believe in me is easier and it's safer and it's less demanding, and it doesn't require any change. And so it's real easy to just believe. You can believe in a lot of things. 
but it doesn't really make any difference. And he says, no, I want your life to change. I want it to matter. I want you following and doing. Believing kind of faith, it's not an active kind of faith, becomes feeble and frail and fragile because faith is like a muscle. And you have to exercise your muscles for them to grow. And if you don't exercise your faith, you won't ever see it grow. So what would you do if you were confident that God was with you? I shared some things in the first message that we talked about. Times in my life when I knew that God was with me, and it was something tough. It was something hard to do. But I knew that he was with me, and so that's all I needed. I needed his presence. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And together, I knew he could accomplish anything. And I would just go with him. And, and he did that. And my faith grew because of it. Think about your faith. What would you do? What would you do if you were sure and confident that God was with you? Walking by faith is knowing God. And so here's a question I want to ask you. What fuels or facilitates the development of active, enduring faith. Now, we said that there are five things that most people will say if you ask them, <clears throat> what caused your faith to grow? They don't always use the same terminology, but they'll repeat these topics, these thoughts, these concepts over and over again if you go through there with them. And so they might say one of them, they might say five of them, but these are kind of the basic ones and there are probably others. The first one we said just a couple of weeks ago is practical teaching. Well, you know, I just needed some practical teaching. And, and somebody came along and they made it real simple. And they sat down with me and they explained the Bible and they showed me how to read it and they showed me certain scriptures. And then they talked to me about prayer and then they talked to me about coming to a small group. And you know, I began to get tools for application. I began to apply what I was learning and what I was knowing and it made all the difference in my faith grew. Because when our faith intersects with God's faithfulness, then our faith grows. See, God calls us to do something, and we step out because we feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He's asking us to do it. We do it, and then it comes together with His faithfulness, and then by the power of the Spirit, we see that victorious. It happens. We see it, and our faith grows because we took God's hand, we stepped out, and He showed us that it could take place. And the second thing we talked about was personal ministry. We said there was a time, maybe for you, where you felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit to serve, to serve somebody else, to do something outside your comfort zone. And you never thought you would do it, but you stepped up and you led a small group. And you can't believe it, but you did it. And guess what? You survived. And it even blessed you. And it blessed the people there. Or maybe you went on a mission trip. You know, when I was growing up, they'd say, we're going to take the youth on a trip, and some of you we're going to bring back. <laughs> I always got a little nervous when they were looking at me. I don't know what was that about, you know. But I'm not bitter. It was a long time ago. We're going to move on. But what about a mission trip? You've never done it. You've heard about it. But, you know, maybe I'll go on a mission trip. I just feel that nudge to do it. Maybe it's giving consistently. 
You've been reading the Bible, and you've found out that it's in the Bible, and God wants us to do it, and he teaches us, and he tells us why. And so, you know, I, I need to start doing that consistently. That's what God wants me to do. Or maybe it's just, I'm just going to serve somebody else. I'm just going to be involved and be a blessing to somebody else. You didn't feel prepared to lead that group. You, you knew that the youth knew all the answers, and you didn't have a clue. You knew that the children could answer the Bible questions quicker than you. Those adults in there, they, they knew the Bible better than you ever will. But you know what? You just felt a nudge. And so you said, okay, Lord, if you want me, here I go. And your faith grew when you did it. Now, today we're talking about these providential relationships. Providential relationships are, are something that God creates. He, he, he just brings us together at a specific time in a specific place. He brings us together. He orchestrates it. We have a divine appointment. And all of a sudden, that develops into a relationship. It's providential. God provides it for us. He causes it to happen. Now, listen. There's a difference in God doing that and you just getting together with somebody else and orchestrating that, all right? That's different. You know, that's not providential. That's just we're going to get together, okay? That, that's different. But God says, you know, we're going to do that because there's a reason for that. And I'm going to use that relationship to do things in your life and somebody else's life. And maybe somebody will be led to Christ because of that providential relationship. It might be you. It might be somebody that you talk to, and they are led to Christ because of it. And it's just like God dropped them into your life at just the right time. Have you ever had an intervention? Some friends came along and said, I'm so glad you're here. Sit down. We want to talk to you. When I was in high school, there were two guys who showed up at my house. They came in a, in a two-door car, and they put me in the back seat, and they said, we're going to a party down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 45 miles away, and we're going to go down there and have a big time. And I got in the back of that car, and I almost rededicated my life to Christ just getting there. Because I'm telling you, that was a machine, okay? It was way too much power for a kid in high school to have, especially with my friend driving it. And so we got there and he said, well, let's go inside. We went inside. It was not a party. It was a Bible study. And those people were serious about it. And those girls had on great big crosses and had great big Bibles. And we came in there with those girls and guys and they sat and talked. And my friend made me a promise. He said, you won't have to say a word. And I said, don't worry. I won't. And at the end of the Bible study, they said, you got any prayer concerns? And he raised his hand. He said, yep, I'd like to pray for Joe Lay. And I was sitting right beside him. I almost hit him in the mouth. I could, hello, I'm here. Do you not, am I that bad of a pagan? You've got to bring me up right now. And then he started praying. And because he prayed for me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I rededicated my life to Christ that night. Right there in that party Bible study. In Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the geographic center of the state of Tennessee, right there. The monument was across the street. I'm not lying. It really is the geographic center. When they named Middle Tennessee State University, they named it appropriately, okay? But why? 
Well, because it was just one of those providential, and I'm still friends with that guy today. In fact, I had lunch with him and some other preachers and their wives this past Friday. We drove up to Troy, Alabama, and there are five preachers I grew up with and, and the five wives now, and, and we all got together and, and had lunch together up there and shared, and I sat next to that guy at the table, and we talked and visited together. And you think about that. You know, maybe you've been there for somebody else. And then what happens is every time they tell their story about their faith experience, you're in it. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe they've been there for you, and every time you tell your faith story, you're talking about them. And it's always perfect timing. And God comes along at just the right time with just the right person in just the right way. And it's a defining moment, and it's a relationship that means so much. And that's how Christianity began. People just started talking to their friends and telling them about Jesus. They just started telling them, listen, you got to meet this guy. I want you to come hear him preach. He's different. He's the Messiah. He's the real deal. I want you to know about Jesus. And God sent his son, and he, he came to earth. And the Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that wonderful? See, he could have just stayed up in heaven and kind of given us a phone call and told us about it. He didn't do that. He came. And once people met him, they said, there's something different about him for sure. And then when he was resurrected from the dead, they said, there's definitely something different about him. And then they got bold. They got bold. They had boldness that they didn't have before because they saw what God did through him. And they said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll, I'll step, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you call me to do. I will proclaim it with boldness because I believe and no one can convince me otherwise. And when our, when our faith with God intersects, and when it intersects with other people, that's when great things can happen. I've got a Jesus story I want to tell you real quick today. And it's one that you don't hear a lot about. It's one that maybe you're not as familiar with as you were. But what happened was Jesus saw a young man one day named Philip. He said, Philip... I want you to follow me. That's all. That was the invitation right there. He said, okay. He said, give me just a minute. And he went and found his buddy. His buddy's name was Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, you're not going to believe this. I have met the Messiah. And Nathaniel said, sure you have. We've been waiting on the Messiah for hundreds of years. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm telling you, I've met him. He is the real deal. Well, who is he? What's his name? He said, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And he just dissed Jesus' hometown. He didn't even know him. And he was just bad-mouthing him right there. But you know what Philip wouldn't do? He wouldn't give up on Nathaniel. Nathaniel said, I'm not interested. I'm not going to go. But Philip says, you have got to go. you got to come and meet him. Once you meet him, you'll know he's the Messiah. And the Bible tells us, he said, just come and see. You just come and see. If you come and see, I guarantee you, you'll know who he is. And he did. And then when he saw him, he knew he was the Messiah. And he became a Christian right there. And Nathaniel spent the rest of his life thanking Philip for not giving up on him. Who have you been inviting? Who have you been praying for? Who's God put on your heart? Who's somebody that you care about? And you know that they're far from God, but you know that they're getting closer. And God is working on you 
to be a blessing to them. And sometimes you want to give up. But God said, uh-uh. Don't give up. The next time might be the chance. That might be the opportunity. And Nathaniel, I just want to thank you, he said to Philip. I want to thank you for inviting me. It made all the difference in my life. You see, it's a providential relationship. And so you see proximity causes your faith to grow. If you get close to God and you get close to other Christian people, they're going to help your faith grow, and you're going to do life with them. And the book of Hebrews, it just continues to encourage people to believe in the Messiah, Jesus. And the Scripture says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He said, Don't give up. Keep hanging on, because it makes all the difference. And where else is your hope going to come from if it doesn't come from God. And then he said, the one who made the promise, you can count on him. He's faithful. You can put it, you can take it to the bank. He's going to be there for you. And it goes on and it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more is the day, as you see the day approaching. He's saying, don't quit coming to God's house. Don't quit getting together and worshiping. Don't quit reading your Bible. Don't quit praying. Don't quit spending time with other folks who maybe need to know Jesus. He's saying, your faith will help their faith. And their faith may help your faith as well. And everybody's faith will grow. Then spur one another on. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Because proximity matters. Proximity plus relationship builds faith. And let me just say, maybe there's this observation that you can learn. People drift from their community of faith before they drift from faith. You hear me? That's why it's so important that you're here. That's why it's so important that you've got that small group. This is what Hebrews is getting at. People lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. Carmen went to Washington, D.C. and had to get come back and get saved again after being up there for one week up there. That's all it took. And buddy, she's just tickled pink to be back in God's country, aren't you? That's right. I heard your testimony today, sister. I heard you talking. I'm with you. Because we can't do it on our own. We weren't created to be an island. We are created. Saints are plural always in the Bible. It takes all of us together. And when we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life, it's easier to trust him with ours. Once we see it in somebody else's life, that encourages us as well. So stay connected. Staying connected to the community of faith grows our faith. And then, you know, recently, you could just say to somebody, hey, why don't you come and go with me? Come and sit by me. You hate going to church by yourself. You come with me. I'll take you to church. You can sit by me. That'll take all the fear away. We got goodies out there in the lobby. People are sweet to you. You come on in. You'll have a great time. You want to come back? You'll be bringing me with you next week when we get together because it's a wonderful thing to do. There's a woman 
who she and her husband sit right up on the front row, first two seats, and in the nine o'clock service. And one day, my wife Laura came in. There's Laura over on the front row. She came in. She came in just a little bit late, and she sat down back there. And that woman didn't know Laura, and Laura didn't know her, but she got up. She's pretty new in the church. And she got up, and she walked over there to where Laura was, and she said, are you sitting by yourself? And Laura said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you like to sit with us? And Laura said, yes, ma'am. And guess what? Every Sunday now, Laura sits with them. And sometimes she lets me sit beside her. And those people have moved into the same building where we live. They just can't get enough of law. And they tolerate me because that's just the kind of people that they are. And every Sunday at 9 o'clock, they're in town. They take up those three seats, and, and I get that other little seat over there sometimes close, sometimes close by over there. Now, staying connected to the community of faith grows our faith. And that single invitation could position you as a catalyst in somebody else's faith story. Now listen, what if you invited them and they came and sat with you and then you just kept bringing them and they kept going to small group with you and they kept going to church with you and you started showing them the Bible and they started reading the Bible and they started praying and then one day you were there and you watched them get saved and you thought back, you know, I brought them to church. I'm so glad that I did. And then they get baptized and join the church. And next thing you know, they're teaching your small group. And you just get a front row seat to watch God work. And what a blessing that is. Providential relationships grow our faith. Friends determine direction and quality of life. What do we tell our children and grandchildren all the time? Pick your friends wisely. Because they will influence you. You don't realize how much. And maybe you'll influence them in the right way. And you'll be a blessing to them as well. And if you've gotten away from God and the church, get reconnected. Find a, a group where you can worship and participate on a regular basis and reach out to someone. And when you do that, God will use that in his faith community to be a blessing. And we'll see God's faithfulness in others. And it'll be easier to trust God with our faith. All right, now look, I'm going to wrap this up. But I want to tell you something before I close. I want to just tell you a story. When I was a little boy, I was living in Cleveland, Tennessee. We would drive just a little bit north of there. My mother's home church, little bitty white weatherboard Methodist church in Charleston, Tennessee. And we would go every Sunday. And I was little, but I can remember going. And I can remember the preacher back then. His name was Brother Bull, and he was a man of God. And And everybody respected him because he was genuine. He was real. And sometimes there'd be one tear right here, and he didn't do it for effect. It was just the anointing. He was a blessing. Even as a little boy, I can remember him. And he blessed our whole extended family. Years later, I went into the ministry, and my mother contacted him. He was still living. She said, Joe went into the ministry, and I wanted to tell you about it. And he said, that's wonderful. And then he said several things. But here's what he said that really caught my attention that she shared with me. He said, the ministry is just filled with reward. And he talked about that. 
And I found that to be true. I, I, I can tell you, and I'm going to talk about that some more in just a minute. But it is. You see God work. You see people's lives change. You're right there. You're their minister. You bless them. They bless you. It's, it's wonderful. It's like everything is right with the world. But then he also said, the ministry is also full of heartache. And I couldn't figure out what he meant when I first went in the ministry. I, I didn't know what he was talking about. But over the last 45 years, I've learned. I think some of what he was talking about was that you're going to get close to people, and you're going to love them, and they're going to die, and you're going to have to preach their funeral. And sometimes you're going to be close to people and a family, and, and they're going to have a child that's about the same age as your child, and their child's going to die. And it's heartbreaking. And they're broken, but you're broken with them. And it's all you can do to just stand by them and cry because it just tears your heart up. There's all kinds of ministry experiences that are like that. And it's suffering and it's pain. And it's just tough, tough, tough. And you don't want to go through those, but that's part of it. And then... There are those providential relationships that you have, that God gives you. And most of those relationships, praise God, are wonderful. God just brings you together at just the right time and just the right way, and, and it makes all the difference. And boy, they were there for you, and you were there for them, and, and it's just the best thing. And that, that's most of the time. But then, even in the ministry... There are those times where God brings friends together. And later on, the devil rips them apart. And it, it breaks your heart. It's heartbreaking. And if you're here today and you can relate to what I'm talking about, if you're here today and you're hurting, you're here today and your heart is breaking, and you don't know what to do with that. And maybe you've just gotten numb because of it. I want to tell you something. For what it's worth, I know what you feel like. I'm not just telling you about it. I'm telling you I experienced it. And I'm not just offering you sympathy. I'm offering you empathy because I've been there. I just want to encourage you today, and I want to, to help you understand that God has not left you. He has not abandoned you. He's still right there where he was when his son was killed on the cross. He loves you just as much, if not more, than he ever has. And he's got the answer. And he's the one who's going to help you through that time, because without him, how are you going to get through that time? Now, I want to go back to the, to the other side for just a minute those rewarding experiences. I just sat down and jotted down some names of people that God put on my heart that I thought of that made a difference in my life. Providential relationships. God just brought me together with these people. Some of them go back to high school. Some of them are much more recent. Some of them were preachers who gave me jobs when nobody else would. Some of them were preachers who kept me in those jobs when nobody else would. 
Some of these people are, are friends of mine. Some are lay people who were there for me. Some of them are preachers who were there for me. Some of them are preachers who taught me so much and blessed me and, and helped me in the church that I was serving. One of them was the president of the seminary that I attended, and he was just so affirming and loving, and he was like that with everybody. And he was a blessing, and, and it was just wonderful just to be around him. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for them. And, and one of those guys who hired me is going to be where I'm going tomorrow because poor Bill Small, pray for Bill Small, he drew the short straw. And he has got to go with me this afternoon to Mobile, Alabama. And all the rest of the staff is saying, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and we're going to go to Mobile, Alabama. We're going to spend the night over there. And we're going to do something we never dreamed that we'd ever do again. We're going to go to just a little bit of tiny portion, a little fraction of annual conference. And we're going to do that at 11 o'clock on Monday morning. Because that's going to be the memorial service for preachers who've died this past year. And there's some friends of ours, a preacher friend of mine that I met when I was 22 years old, and he and I are the same age. And he died last year at 65. He had cancer. And his family was about to go on a cruise, and they had to postpone because of his ill health. They didn't get to go, and they saved the trip till this year. And so his family's going to be on a trip. They're going to be on a cruise, and they can't be there to sit in a special seat to remember him. So his family asked four of us preachers to come and sit in their place. And so because he's my friend, because of a providential relationship that started when we were 22 years old, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Mobile. I'm going to go to that service. And I'm going to sit there and honor him proudly. And Bill's got a friend who died not long ago that's a preacher. And they were really close. And they did music together and sang together. And they were always asking me to play music and sing with them. I just, I just couldn't ever work it out. But they were close. They were good friends. And, and they would have lunch together and they would talk. And, and then he got sick and got real sick. And so Bill watched him just kind of dwindle away. And so he's going to go. He's going to sit there and represent his family and be in that seat. And that's what you do for friends, right? And it's a privilege. It really is. Thank God we have friends, special friends, friends that God brought to us. And they made all the difference. And they were such a blessing. And it's just a privilege. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the friends that you've given us. Thank you for those providential relationships that have blessed us so. Thank you for giving us a front row seat to watch you work in somebody else's life. And sometimes to just see how you work in our lives because of someone else who influenced us. Lord, help us to make the list. Help us to do something about it. Help us to say thank you to those people that stood in the gap for us, those people who encouraged us and blessed us, those people who walked through valleys with us, those people who always expected the best of us and made us better because we were friends 
with them. Lord, put them on our hearts so we can do something about it this week. And we'll give you all the glory and the praise, and we'll say thank you for what you've done in our lives as well. And all God's children said, amen. In Jesus' name.